So it is my privilege just to share the Word of God with you, and uh, obviously it would be greater to be with you, but this is the best we've got. So I'm going to ask you please, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and just while you're turning there, I keep referencing what uh, Proverbs 29, 18 talks about, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, but also I love how Eugene Peterson's version actually says, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, then they are most blessed. And I think that we cannot be ignorant in a season like this. So I keep saying ignorance is not bliss. And so here's what I challenge us with is do not be distracted by what God is not doing because you can't see what God is doing. And uh, that's probably our big challenge for us as leaders. I know I'm addressing my understanding is you are the leaders uh, in these moments, in these in, uh, gatherings. Uh, all sorts of leaders, but certainly in the church, I think pastors, elders, from what I've understood, deacons and so on. And so I'm going to address you guys into that context, remind you of some things again that really matter. And I know none of us knew, I'm sure, but it's I have really tried to hear God for this time and for the season, also for your time, your equip, um, and just to be able to speak into the season that we're in. You know, Effectiveness, I believe, is what's on the heart of God. For us, always has been, but I think coming out of what we've come out of and going into what we're going into, We've been released from many things. I keep saying in 2020, I, I felt God says a season of release and then we all got shut down a few weeks, a few months later. But I do think looking back, we've been released from things in order to be released into greater things. And now it requires of us to look for effectiveness, to, to be effective and to stay effective. And I want to talk a little around that. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 15, speaking of the supremacy of Christ, says the Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, um, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. I love reading this because it just brings us back to it all is about Him and it all revolves around Jesus. Verse 17, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church, and He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, in all things, in everything, He will have supremacy, be preeminent. He will have first place in everything. I do think that Jesus is prominent in many of our ministries and in our lives and in the church, but He doesn't want to be prominent. He wants to be preeminent. And I think, again, trying to read the season of what we've come out of as the church around the world globally, I do think there has been a resetting of our head back in place. Jesus Christ, central to everything we do and everything we say. We've often said our Christology determines our missiology. And I'm talking about effectiveness today with you. And I want to just say that it's our Christology, our revelation of Jesus, that will determine our missiology. And our missiology is to determine our ecclesiology. And so it matters more than anything about our revelation of Jesus. And it's not this one-off, it's this ongoing revelation of putting Jesus first in everything. Uh, if we focus on Christ, he will help us focus on our mission, the right mission, which will help us shape the church. And so we've often said and begin to say more and more that the mission or, or, or that, that the main thing is to keep the main one, that's being Jesus, the main thing. So please, leaders, let's keep this revelation and reality more and more. It's not Jesus and anything. There's a lot of causes that have been pushed uh, in the church today and even coming out of the season and COVID and pandemic where people are pushing 
an agenda and, and, and even a God thing and, and God causes. But when a cause is next to Jesus, what I have found is that cause always takes the place of Jesus. And it can never be uni unity when you're pushing a cause that's not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so all the stuff we talk about and even the stuff I want to talk to you today, today about, if it's not under Christ, then I don't believe it carries any significance. But what gives it its significance is not being next to Christ, but under Christ. It's not Jesus and nations. It's not Jesus and discipleship. It's not Jesus and church planning. It's, it's not Jesus and justice. It's Jesus, then all these things. And I'm asking you, please, to be truthful to, about this, to look at how you're presenting this, and to look at how we're building and making sure everything comes under that lordship of Jesus Christ. I, I think COVID has exposed many things in and out of the church, and it would seem more and more things are being exposed in the season around this COVID and, and what's going on. And it's crazy, crazy time. But it's also exposed some things in the church. And I think for us, it has exposed maybe in the church globally, that the foundation has been something other than Jesus. It's been around ministries or giftings or even mission. Or, and those things, are, they matter, but they're not the foundation we're called to build in. And so it's exposed us coming back to the revelation, the foundation being Jesus, only Jesus, nothing but Jesus. And so may that be true for us, friends. I'm hoping, trusting, believing that the new season we go into and whatever that looks like is, is we're going to have a church that is reconnected with her master, who's reconnected connected with her the bride is reconnected with her bridegroom and, and we're going to come out of the season with people who who realize again who Christ is and everything is linked to that and I do believe we can do far more with him and for him out of love than it would be out of duty and religion and so what a great season but but let's make sure we have re uh, focused on Christ and that foundation stays the foundation and everything revolves around that and so um I do want to talk about effectiveness. So if you've got a Bible, go quickly now with me to Ephesians chapter 3 quickly. Ephesians chapter 3. I've been sitting in the, in the book of Ephesians and uh, I keep obviously reading other stuff, but God keeps bringing me back to that. I think it's a season of those things, asking God to reveal to us where we're to go, what we're to do, what we're to read. I know we have systematic uh, reading in our scripture and we should be doing that, but also trusting God to reveal stuff as we read these truths and stay in them and so stay in these, in, in these books. And for me, Ephesians is one we should be parked in, hearing God, meditating. It's one of my favorite books. I know I say that about every uh, book in the Bible. But I do think there's something for us in Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 7, it says this. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of grace given me through the working of His power. Yeah, as I've been reading Ephesians and even the Bible and certainly a lot of Paul's letters, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, I realized that Paul understood something. The best way to be faithful with what he was given was to give it back to God in surrender. And William Booth actually says it like this, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. And so, I, I, again, coming back to challenging us to be more effective in the season, take what we've been given, entrust it, and give it back to Him. How? In surrender to what it is He's called us to. That's the way we should live, minister, lead, and I think we'll keep being effective as we go forward. Verse 8, he says, Although I'm less than the least of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now let me pause and say, I'm probably going to get in trouble. Some of you are not going to like this, but just hear my heart in this. When we say preach the gospel and if necessary, 
use words. I understand what we're saying is that we're called to live out the gospel, not just declare it. But it's almost like saying to, to, uh, uh, to feed the hungry and, if necessary, give them food. We have been called to not just live it, but also preach it. We need to declare the gospel. And, and so I'm asking us, please, to preach the gospel, share the gospel. And my call, Paul says, my call is to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Not just demonstrate it, but also declare it and preach it. And I feel like for effectiveness, we must live it and preach it. But don't forget to preach the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation, is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1. Verse 9, he says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things his intent God's intent is that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Verse 13, he says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And so then he moves into this uh, praying for, for the Ephesians. And he actually prays for effectiveness. And he highlights three things. And I want to just highlight them in this intro and then get to some of the points. But he highlights three truths, three principles uh, that would help them understand the effectiveness and how to be effective instruments in the hand of God, which is what we're talking about, being effective. And so here we see verse 14. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that, the, that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, indwelling your innermost being and personality. And so there's a truth for us that Paul prays, that, that, that we would understand the internal power that He's given us. The New Living Translation says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with the inner strength through His Spirit. So there is something about this inner internal power that we've been given from Him, by Him, for Him. And there's something that that will help us be effective if we understand that more and more. And that's what Paul prayed. And I would say if we can take these truths and live them out, we're going to be effective going forward. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep the love of Christ is. And to know this, that surpassing knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Some versions say completely filled and flooded with God Himself. So here's the second uh, truth principle that would help us. And it's the indwelling presence. The indwelling presence. So it's eternal power, indwelling presence that Paul prays that we'll catch and understand what we've been given. And in order to be more effective instruments in His hand. And then we go into verse 20, and, and I'm going to shift to the Amplified Version, because I love how it demonstrates and speaks about a very well, I guess, quoted scripture. Verse 20, it says this, Now to him who is able to, and then the, in brackets, carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, 
or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. What a great truth and promise of effectiveness. Verse 21, To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so that impact potential, the third thing he talks of is this impact potential. So three things we see, the internal power, the indwelling presence, and also his impact potential, our impact potential, that he is able to do way more than we can ask and imagine. Now, friends, that, that is often quoted through tough seasons and tough times. But regardless of season and times, God's called us to be an effective people. We've been released from things. And as leaders, we now need to lead God's people into the things he has for us and be effective and not just get back to what was, but be far more more looking for doors of opportunity, effectiveness, and what God's in, and what God's about, and what God's doing. And so I, I want to give us some thoughts and points and challenge us with things I've said right through this pandemic, but I feel like they're back on the radar as we come into the season God has for us. And so I'm going to highlight them again. Please don't just ignore them. Listen to what God's saying to you, to us. Let's respond and be doers, and let's be effective in this time and season. So to keep effective in the season now and going forward to this great future God has, even though a lot of it's un, we don't understand or know, we just know that God is in total control, and God is using the season now and not waiting for a season to go into. And I feel like we've got to get better at understanding and reading those seasons. So to keep effective in the season, we need a number one, stick to purpose. Now, <laughs> now I know that sounds so obvious, but I've, I've watched it's not that obvious. Um, I, I get that there's a distraction. I get there's a whole lot of battles blazing right now. I realize that there's a whole lot of sideshows and side things we're facing as leaders and as people leading God's people, but we've got to keep the purposes of God before our hearts and also before the people God has called us. Otherwise, we're going to miss again the moments that God's taking us in and taking us through. And I just want to say, Bring everything we are on about back to purpose. Purpose matters. I've said destiny is often revealed far more in seasons of crisis and in seasons of, of uh, confrontation than it is in seasons of comfort and convenience. When we are in this comfortable and convenient season that we had, I think, pre-COVID, many churches, many leaders just getting on with the job and hoping we're hitting the mask and had momentum and all that. And then suddenly this happened and there's crisis and there's, there's confrontation we're facing. But destiny is revealed far more in that if we see what God's doing he's brought purpose and destiny back to the church of what he's doing and I want to challenge you and I to stay in that place and keep contending for that we got to stick to the plan of God if we want to walk in the purposes of God Proverbs 19 21 says you can make many plans but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I love Eugene Peterson's version. He says, we humans keep brainstorming options. And let me just say, church leaders, we do this too. We keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. So of course, go with your plans. Of course, go with the brainstorming and the ideas, but link it to the purposes of God because only that is what stands. Hold lightly to our plans. But let's hold tightly to the purpose and come back to the purpose. You know what I'm realizing more and more, and even as I read Scripture, now we're living through these seasons, God is not committed to our dream. God is committed to His purpose. And I've realized the quickest way to let His purpose die is to dedicate yourself to everyone else's dream. <laughs> And that does seem to be a distraction in the church today. A people without a vision are a people without a future. 
And a people without a future will always go back to their past. And that's why we've got to be a people of vision, a people of purpose, a people of reading the seasons that we're in now. Keep bringing us back to what God's doing, what God's called us to. Stay in that place in your own life and in the ministry that you're leading. Because I do believe purpose is always on the agenda of God. And He'll use all these moments, situations to bring us back and to keep us in His purposes. You know, strong vision it unleashes creativity. and We need a season of creativeness and creativity in finding strategies and ways to gather and to, to equip and all. But it's vision that unleashes that, not, not some ideas, true vision, purpose and understanding. I've said this before, that great leaders don't just give people things to do. Great leaders give people something to believe in. And that to me is purpose. That is vision. And, and I'm finding myself more and more in this season having to equip and encourage pastors and leaders and people around this thing of the purposes of God. Don't lose your way. Stick to the purpose of God and understand this. So can I just say in our preaching, preach purpose and vision. Uh, I, 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 I realize this is a difficult season and we're taking people through challenges. And, and listen, I, I certainly am not questioning it. And I've never had the pain or privilege of leading a church through this pandemic. But I'm leading NCMI through this pandemic and that's another whole animal. But can I say this? While we need to help our people understand seasons and we have to help them even with understanding this COVID and even the vaccines and all. I, I get it, friends. I'm not fighting that, but I want to tell you that our preaching should not be, should we take the vaccine? Our preaching should be, how do we get on with the mission, God? So whatever your discussion is that is necessary, make it, link it to purpose rather than make that the purpose of why we're gathering and, the, and, the, and, the, and what we're doing. And so our preaching, rethink, if I can challenge you to think beyond this, preach purpose, preach the strategies of God, the purposes of God, the plans of God, those haven't changed. Um, I hope that makes sense to you. Or in our pastoring, I mean, be careful. We're not just linking and hooking up with people and just helping them make it. We've got to bring them back to purpose and finding the purposes of God in the season. And so make sure in our preaching and our pastoring and our praying. I mean, I've been to some prayer meetings where it's pretty sad how we pray for desperation. Help us, Lord, rather than the purposes of God. And we were taught to pray for Jesus, the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done. Those are the purposes of God. And so I'm not saying those other things aren't real, but we've got to link them to purpose. Everything we're involved in has got to be linked to purpose. So your public prayer, your private prayer, whatever you're involved in, our preaching, our pastoring, and our praying, bring it all back to purpose. Be wise in how you're presenting these things. Because I feel like we've got this opportunity to be really effective in a season like this. But don't be distracted by the sideshows and the battles and the fights that are real, but they're not our battles. And we've got to keep coming back to purpose. Also in our practice, in our living and leading, keep it in purpose. And let me just say this, don't let the details de destroy or even determine the dream. It's a God thing we've been called to. And so keep the purposes of God before people. I trust that makes sense. And you're doing that. I'm not asking you to think or pray about it. I'm asking, are you doing this? Because this is what God's highlighting in our togetherness. And certainly for us, and even me who leads NCMI, I've got to keep on bringing me and us back into the purposes of God through all the craziness that we're facing right now. The second thing is perspective. Perspective. We need a shift in our perspective. And I think we need a constant shift in our perspective. And I certainly don't want to build a theology around a, a parable, but I do think there's something that Jesus highlights in Luke chapter 15. And I'm sure it's a well-worn for all of us text for certainly the understanding of the heart of our Father. It's about the lost sheep, the lost um, 
coin and the lost son. And the parable of the lost son is amazing how the son, we know the story, he takes his inheritance and he goes and he squanders and then he wakes up one day and realizes, I, I need to go back. Even my, my dad's servants have greater than what I'm living with now. And so he goes back and he goes humbly and great story and all that. But, but we know about the older brother and the older brother's mentality, the other older brother's attitude. And, and it's often referred to as like this, we, we, he doesn't rejoice that his brother came back, but it's because of his perspective. And and so, you know, he, he, he's working, he comes back, he asks his friends, servants, what's happening? And they say, oh, your brother's back and your dad has given him the best of everything. <laughs> Ring and, and robe and shoes and fattened calf. And, and the brother's not happy. He's ticked. He's got an attitude about what's going on. And so the father comes out to get to get to chat with him and he's like what's wrong I'm paraphrasing and he says you know I've worked for you all these years and I've never left you and I've always obeyed you and I've always done this and and this is what he says and you've never even given me a goat for me and my friends but but my brother who blows it all up gets rid of it, and then he comes back and you give him the best of everything and the father addressed his attitude by adjusting his perspective and he looked at him and he said this in verse 31 of Luke 15, My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything that I have is already yours. Now just, just again, I, I'm not talking kingdom now exclusively, and I'm not saying everything we have is already here. But I do think we're so good and busy asking for stuff to prove God's with us, when God's already saying, I'm with you, and you've got what you need. And, and so it does change our perspective. I think some of us are like, when we come out of COVID, and when we get into the next thing, and when the next thing opens, and when we have breakthrough, and we're on the verge of breakthrough, and we keep preaching about on the verge of something God's about to, you know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when we're always preaching God's about to, we leave people hanging for something that God maybe already gave us. And so all I'm asking us is not to have faith for the future. I'm asking us to see what God's doing now and to actually realize what we already be given because it changes our attitude when we change our perspective. And so do shift our perspective. Let's operate in the now of what God's doing. Let's not wait something out when I get more people, when we can gather again, when we can have more than 100 people in our building things, when we can do this, when we can. Those are real things, friends, and I'm not downplaying it, but I also want to say that God is with us now, and there's such talk about God bring revival. Well, God, I'm trusting for revival, but God's with us now. He doesn't have to give us a, a goat to prove He's with us. He, he's with us, and we need to recognize His presence now. Also, we don't have to have another breakthrough for God. Just trust and access and live and that's challenged me. It's kicked my butt if I can say it like that. Forgive me. Uh, just how we're waiting for these things to happen. If you open up, God, I can't wait to get to the nations again. Open up. And, and while that's a real thing, and I cannot wait to get to the nations, certainly get back to South Africa. But I do want to say this stuff is doing now. And we've got to look at the now and not always long for the breakthrough that maybe one day never comes. And I think a lot of ministries have been birthed around the next thing and the next thing and the wait, waiting for God to and God's about to. Friends, what is God doing now? That's where we've got to get better. And I think it changes our attitude by changing our perspective. What do we have and what do we already have and who do we have right now is what God's saying. Work with what you've been given already. Thirdly, I think prophetic. We need to stay prophetic. And I realize that the prophets have taken a bit of a hit through the season and I, I get it. And I think, to be honest, not where were the prophets, where were we? We as God's people, we as leaders should have heard God for ourselves. We don't need prophets to tell us what God's saying. We're living in the new covenant right now and the new testament and we have access to God and Jesus calls us his friend according to Luke, uh, 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 John 15. 
because he says that the difference between a servant and a friend is that a servant doesn't know the master's business. I feel like, of course, there's a need for prophets, but we don't rely on prophets. We rely on our walk with Jesus, and prophets confirm what God's already saying. So prophetic, we need to be a prophetic people in this time and season. Ignorance is not bliss. We can't just meander and aim for something and hope we hit it. we got to hear God. And I know you're trying, I'm sure. But even in this season, not coming out of the season, in this season, in this moment, we need to be prophetic. We, we can't be nostalgic. I keep saying that for an era we no longer live in. We can't go back to pre-COVID and whatever. We're in a new season now and going forward, it's not going to be like it was. And I hope you've settled that. Not, not fighting something that God's already moved on and moving us into more. So stay prophetic. We've got to live in the now and partner with God's purpose and plans in this season. Now, I'm pretty sure you'd all agree with this, but are you living in it? Are we leading like this? This is what's going to keep us effective. I think at times we're good at discerning the times and the seasons, but we're not always good at seeing what God's doing in that season. And so we've got to be less aware of what we're doing and let's come back to being more aware of what God is doing because that is the essential thing in all of this, of the effectiveness. Paul was able to operate like that and say, this door's closed, this door's open, God's doing this. I had a plan to go here, but God, he was able to read the moment of what God's doing. And I think that's where the doors of effectiveness will come. Yes, doors have closed and a bunch of doors probably have closed for all of us, but a bunch of new doors have opened. If we not focus on the doors that have opened by trying to kick down the doors that have Close. We're going to miss prophetically what it is God's doing now and what He's called us to be walking through in effectiveness. The door, effective opportunity. 1 Corinthians 16, an effective door is open for me, Paul says. I feel like there's some doors that are now for us, but we've got to come back to being a prophetic people. So, so ask God, what must I see? What do you want to show me? Ask those things. I believe He's not holding out on us. He wants us to see those things. We need to be reading the season, seeking God. Uh, I love what Yonggi Cho said. He said, prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. To pray effectively, we must listen to God as well as speak. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us have taken our prayer list to God and said, Lord, you need it. Lord, you need it. I've realized, tear up some of that and say, Lord, what do you want to show me? What do you want to tell me? Because prayer is a dialogue. It's not me telling you. It's you actually showing me, revealing to me. And, and I'm just going to tell you that the church that is man-managed instead of God-governed is destined to fail. That's why we've got to keep seeking God in these seasons, out of these seasons, to stay effective for what God's called us to. Keep searching the words, scriptures. Um, listen, I, I'm not anti-books. Apparently I am, but I'm not. But I am anti us quoting men and, and, and authors at the expense of the Word of God. And, and do with, what you, do with th this whatever you want to do. But be careful that you're over-quoting men and not enough quoting of what God said. God's not watching what men say. We've written books. I get it. Some of my team guys, a lot of them are writing books. Nothing wrong with that. But don't quote men. Quote the Word. It is too much quoting of authors and not enough of the author. And the Word of God is incredibly essential right now. More than ever, I think we've got to come back to the Word of God. And so ask the Lord when you're reading Scripture, what do you want to show me? He's showing me things, to be honest, friends, that I should know, I should have known, but as I've asked Him, He's revealed through text scriptures, becoming more and more alive. And that's what we need to be quoting to people, telling people, preaching these things. All right, seasons. Know your seasons. We've got to be able to read all seasons. Not just for the church or our ministries, for our own lives. I think at times leaders are good at reading seasons for where people are at in their church, but not their own lives. And I feel like even in these moments, we've got to be good at 
in God reading season for us and for the people God's called us to lead. We need to see what he's doing now in the future. You know, the prophetic. Let me just say this about the prophetic and prophecy, because I think it's essential. Some are fearful of prophecy now, and obviously, again, whatever your take is in this. But we forget that every person who prophesies, or a prophet, let's use a prophet for example, has a preference. <laughs> they do. Uh, we all have a preference about everything. So let's just, uh, there is a bias in every person who brings a word. And even if they quote that's not, they do. And if you listen to some of the guys who got the, the let's say, the elections wrong, those who've come out and actually said, we're sorry we were wrong, have admitted it was their bias. It's what they wanted for the purpose of God rather than for what it is God said. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying realize this so we don't get caught off God again by listening to me. Everybody has a preference, a bias. So do you, whoever you are leading, whatever you're leading. We all carry a preference, a bias. We also carry a perspective, a, a opinion. And we all not just have a bias, we have an opinion about it, a lot of stuff. And that's included often in a prophetic word. So just be aware of that. Don't, I'm not saying judge it and be fearful of it. Just be aware. There's a preference to everyone prophesying. There's a perspective, an opinion. And my goodness, we as leaders are incredibly opinionated. We need to be careful that we're not offloading our opinions at the perspective rather than what God's called us to. But there's also a passion. Every person carries a passion, and that's linked to what they share. I'm passionate about the nation. I'm passionate about Jesus. So what, my passion is always coming through in what I say, and that's the same with the prophetic word. So be aware of those things. And let me just remind you, the Bible's very clear. We, we prophesy in part. What happened to that? Everyone's just building a future based on a word someone's had. No, no, friends. In part is how we prophesy according to Scripture. And I want to tell you, I think we're most... Uh, um, prophets get it wrong or where prophecy's gone wrong is not linked to purpose. Uh, the purposes of God is what motivates us in our prophesying. So it's not, God, I want you to do this and I feel link it to the purposes of God. And a lot of the stuff that's been shared out there, I don't think would even matter anymore if, it's, if we link it to the purposes of God. So again, uh, uh, that's a whole a different preach. But I'm asking you as leaders to really filter this through. Don't be fearful of it. Just be aware. I'm not sure everyone's got a bad attitude or a bad heart out there when they're prophesying. But these are the realities of prophecy. And I believe New Testament, New Covenant, prophetic ministry should confirm what God's saying rather than direct us. And if it is a directional word, then we need to wait on it so God confirms it through other things. But it's got to be linked to His Word, and His Word is always linked to the purposes and plans of God. So anyway, we need to be a prophetic people in this time and season like never before, especially as leaders. Fourthly, we need to keep pioneering. Keep on pioneering. It probably seems incredibly difficult right now in lockdown, shutdown, and unavailable, and un not able to travel and do the stuff. But, but I want to tell you, friends, we, we can't lose our way in this season. We, we can't hold out. There's this pioneering attitude and pioneering heart that we need to contend for. Because I think if COVID's done anything, what it do has done is limited and bring in limitations and caused us to go small, think small, and just think about our thing rather than think about what God's doing. And we all quote this uh, Psalms 84, verse 5. And seven, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Um, as they pass through the valley of Baca, a place of tears and giants, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it. They go from strength to strength. Why do they go from strength to strength? Because their hearts have been set on pilgrimage. They're a pioneering people. And, and so it's a heart attitude that we're addressing this morning, today that it's not just going to do stuff. It's also a heart in order to keep pioneering, keep 
at pilgrimage. Keep going from place to place. Keep going in your heart as they pass through. Even a season like this, keep your heart at bay where it's about pioneering. And God's called us to be a pioneering people. Um, that's where we go from strength to strength because we're pioneering. We're not keeping ground in this season. We're taking ground in this season. And you know, someone said this, all you need to, all you need to do to drift is do nothing. <laughs> I've often said, you know, because there's a lot of talk and everyone's talking and dialoguing and debating about all sorts of stuff and in the church. And I, and I, and I want to say this, when all is said and done, may more be done than said. Meaning we've got some job, we've got a job to do now, friends, not coming out of this and coming. Don't just talk. Let's go and do. Let, let's get on with it. There's, there's an open and opportunities right now for us all over the world. Uh, Rainer Bonnke says the gospel is always a green light. Go. There's always a green light, even in a season of lockdown, shutdown. Go, go, go. Motivate your people into the purposes of God. Let's be proactive in this and let's keep pioneering. Advance, advance, advance. Not hold ground. Take ground in a season. Doors are open for us. Uh, the nations are open in a sense. And I know it's difficult to get in, but people's hearts are open like never before. 2 Corinthians 10 Verse 15, Paul says, Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand. Surely in a season like this, we can trust for great expansion. And then he goes on and says, So that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. Is that still in your heart? Not will that be in your heart when we come out of this? Is it in your heart now? God is about advancing and I just feel like people pleasing will always hurt us. And it's not something we go after, but it's something that's come to us. People pleasing more and more soon in a season like this. Because we want to keep people. We want to keep them engaged. We want to... Because we don't want to lose people because a lot of people we've lost in a season like we've been through. So we begin to please people. I want to tell you, friends, it's a dangerous thing. We are called to pioneer, to take ground. God's bringing people to us who want to be involved in a bigger mission than the mission we're in, just of kind of filling our buildings, getting back to church, getting back to people. We've got to be wise. I know it's a real thing, but we've got to keep pioneering. Now, people-pleasing will hurt us. And yeah, how? Ultimately, when we people-please, we lose the mission. When you try to please all kinds of people, you usually end up sacrificing the mission. And that is so evident and relevant right now in the church around the world. We also end up not liking who we become. <laughs> Um, in attempt to please others, you sell out and become a fake. And many people, leaders, have become that because they're selling out on who they're supposed to be and what God's called them to do. Another thing that happens when we're pleasing people, it becomes harder to hear the voice of God. When you're listening to everyone and you're trying to please everyone, you end up closing your ear to the one who matters most, and that's God. And so I'm trying to be sensitive to your context right now, but I want to challenge you leaders. Hear God, and if you're hearing God, He is about taking ground in the season, effectiveness, pioneering, taking ground, and getting on with the mission He's called us to right now in the context that we're in. Real leaders also end up leaving. If, if you begin to be people please, it's like a, I don't know how to say, but like a sixth sense to a, a real leader, capacity leader, and they can pick up that you're pleasing people, they end up leaving. And that's a tragedy. Don't lose people because you're pleasing other people. Let's trust God in this. And you know, ultimately, when you're people pleasing, nobody's actually that happy. <laughs> 
when you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. Why? Because people are just not that happy and they're never going to be happy. So just, again, I know this is easier said than done, but we need to live this out and understand. And I think the great pivot being for the church in this season as we've moved from doing church to actually becoming and being the church, which is mobilizing the church to pioneer and to get out. And while I'm here, let me just say, gathering disgruntled Christians is not church planting, all right? We're talking about taking ground and advancing, not just gathering disgruntled guys who are not happy in one church to join your thing. Let, let, let's look to take ground in a season like this. Okay, let me say this. Uh, and this thing has just gone down in Afghanistan. And again, I hope you guys are aware of what's happening over there. And, and you can blame my country, and that's fine. And you can blame America. I'm not getting into the politics of this. I think we could have done way better in how we left. But regardless to say, there is an open opportunity, a door. How many of us are even thinking about, as people are trying to get out, as they're trying to get America, out who of us are thinking what an opportunity to capitalize on the season where people people need to hear about Jesus are we even thinking about those things or are we so consumed with getting church back on board getting people together moving from 50 to 100 people and those are real things guys I'm not downplaying but the pioneering aspect are we thinking beyond are we are we are we utilizing opportunities for the gospel effective opportunities to keep on pioneering let's do better together in some of these things all right number five I'm nearly done. Um, just what will keep us effective is, is power, understanding the power of God. We've all said this, that actually we've realized through COVID and this shutdown and lockdown and whatever it looks like for you guys, that momentum is not always our best friend. We've always been taught as a leader in the church, momentum's a church leader's best friend. And then we had lockdown, shutdown. We all lost our momentum, our physical momentum. But you know what's happened is that the church has now gained its spiritual momentum back. And I know it's not a wow, amen, and you're not going to get recognized here on earth by the spiritual momentum. But that's what should be mattering more. Not how many people, how many gatherings, how much money. Those things are important. But let's always keep the spiritual momentum ahead of the physical momentum. Otherwise, we're busy running with momentum when maybe God's not even in it. Now we know God's in it. And so for me, I want to contend for spiritual momentum. We all quote Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And uh, there he says, it's not by might. And what he's speaking of is not by the might of the people. We should learn that. <laughs> and nor by power. He's not saying God's power. He's saying power, the authority of Cyrus the king. So, so he's prophesying it's not by the amount of people or the army you have or the people, not their might. It's not by the authority or the power of the king, Cyrus, a leader, but by my spirit says the Lord. It's not based in your might. It's not based in your power and your authority. It's based on my spirit is how we're going to get the job done. And I want to just say keep that. The early church is a great picture of that, friends. It was spirit-filled. It was, it was spirit-moved. It was spirit-sent and it was spirit-led. Many of us want the outpouring and more Holy Spirit in us and through us, but we, we should be filled with the Spirit. We need to move by the Spirit. We need to be sent by the Spirit, and we need to be leading God's people by the Spirit. And evidences you see in the early church of uh, work of the Holy Spirit is fear of the Lord. Wow. I'm telling you, friends, when it's not momentum and it's not by might or by, but by the Spirit, there is the fear of the Lord that comes back. And that's what we need in the church. Not, wow, you're awesome, but gee, God's amazing and awesome and an overwhelming. We see that when, when there's an evidence of the true Holy Spirit demonstration. There's the fear of the Lord. That's what brings fear to the true fear, the right fear, fear of the Lord. There's this desire for the Holy Spirit's fullness we see in the early church. 
Meaning we move from self-reliance to God-reliance every facet of our lives and our ministries. I, uh, I remember sharing stuff about just how many of us are running with ministry and doing things um, in our own flesh and, and really how God wants to bring us back many years back. And one of the guys on, the, on our team who's got one of the biggest churches in a, in a region went back from that team meeting and, and he told me he, he got all his staff together and they got the whiteboard out and he began to say, tell me all the ministries that we have in the church. And so they did. And then he said, okay. He drew a line down the middle and he said, now on the one side we're going to have all the ministries that we can do without the Holy Spirit and all the ministries we can do with, with Him that we need him for. And it's amazing that he came out, he said two of the ministries were needing the Holy Spirit, all the other ministries they could do without God. And I thought, gee, that's such a challenge. That's a brave move. But again, it's a good opportunity not to question who you are, but to question how much of God is in what we're doing. What a time, what a season for that to happen. And so fiery preaching, uh, faithful to the Word of God, faithful to the preaching and so on, fervent in prayer, uh, loving fellowship, these are all signs of real, true, spirit-filled, spirit-led churches. Living for the sake of others is a natural overflow. A faithful witness, forgiving and gracious spirit. Um, you know, there's some challenges that come with that. You know, I listened to, I heard about a, a well-known pastor who fell morally not so long ago. And an atheist said this, that he was standing up for that pastor because Christianity is the only movement or group that buries their wounded. And when I heard that, I was challenged. Let us not bury our wounded. Let's be forgiven. Let's bring people through, bring them out, and so on. Functioning in obedience and so on. All right, number six, partnership. Partnership. And I want to tell you, this is so essential for us to be effective. And I don't think partnership really matters if we haven't understood purpose. And pioneering. I mean, what's the point of having partnership? Come into my church and I'll come into your church, we'll preach. And, but partnership takes on a whole different understanding when we get the purposes of God and why we exist and pioneering and taking ground and so on. And even understanding prophetically in this season the need for genuine partnership. And so, you know, I've loved hearing about what happened to you guys in South Africa, not what happened when, when you had those riots and so on, but I love watching the church come together and feeding the poor and just everybody owning and taking responsibility, not just for the gospel to be preached in local churches, but lived out, taking care of the people. I thought that's a great picture of genuine partnership. But friends, we need to keep on pioneering and understanding and the need for our partnerships. And I believe kingdom projects must flow out of kingdom partnerships, not the other way around. The partnership is the root, the project is the fruit. And uh, one is a byproduct of the other. You know, for 40-something years, which we want to celebrate God willing next year, we're trying still our global equip. Um, our relationships and partnerships have been the very heart and soul of NCMI. Whatever success we've experienced in the years gone by and hopefully the years going forward, it's always been by these sovereign partnership relationships God's given us for partners in the gospel to help us get the job done so Jesus can come back. And so there's such a need right now for genuine partnership. They're strategic partnerships. They're sovereign. They're God-given. It's not do we like each other. It's God's put us together to function in the things we have. And we need partners, not parasites, if I can say it like that. And a, a parasite is an organism that grows, feeds, and sheltered on or in a different organism while contributing nothing to the survival of the host. My challenge to us is don't be a parasite. Of course, we want to help each other, be with each other, do what we can to be. But come in with this attitude of how can we get together and help one another 
ultimately get the gospel. Paul said, I'm grateful for the partnership we have in the gospel. Not in my ministry, in my church. The gospel, and that's what we're about, getting this. So come back to genuine partnership. Let's look for opportunities to work together and work, help each other, get on board with one another. Friends, it's so essential. That's what keeps us effective. And Paul understood that and he highlighted that. So in landing this, and I've been told I've got a couple of minutes left. Um, I'm doing like five days training in a... 45 minutes, all right? So give me a bit of leeway. I haven't been to your country for, gee, like almost two years. But I'm coming twice next year, God willing, in April and I believe, hope so, and in, 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 uh, in October for the Global Equip. But anyway, quickly some hindrances to being effective. Number one is undermining God's call. Don't undermine the call of God for your life, for your call. Whatever you're doing, if it's from God, it matters regardless of who sees it. Please don't undermine um, that it's a call. We've been called by God, an urgent appeal from God Himself. It's an invitation to accept responsibilities from God with a particular task. It's authority and responsibility. So just come into that understanding. What you're doing matters if what you're doing is from God. Don't underestimate the power or under, under, undermine the, the call of God. It's a dangerous thing, and we need to live in the place God has for us. Number two, being unaware, which I've already talked about, being unaware of what God's doing is, is a danger and a hindrance to being effective. God's doing so much, let's look to what He's doing, not what we're doing. Thirdly, being unable to hear Him. I mean, honestly, guys, we still do the hearing God thing. And if you don't, then you're in serious trouble and stop leading God's people. We have to hear God like never before. And we still do that. And some, I think, have become unfamiliar with the, the, the voice of God because they're too busy listening to everyone else. Um, you know, I think with the arrival of social media, we love our own voices at the expense of hearing the voice of God. And that's a dangerous thing. Be careful. Come back to hearing God. And uh, I love what A.W. Tozer says, The one who does not expect God to speak will discount every time when God does speak. Expect God to speak because He is speaking. And let me just say this too. It's hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want Him to say. Don't go with what you want Him to say. Go and ask Him. And I believe it's so essential for us right now. Number four, an unwillingness to do what He says. One thing to hear God, another thing to do what He says. I was in a meeting recently and I've told the story and man, it was awesome worship and what a time and we were all worshiping. I looked around young and old on their knees and the quotes of Revelation chapter 1 and 2 and this great picture of heaven and sovereignty of Jesus. It was wow. And honestly, I just looked around at the, I was just standing in the back going, God, you, you must be so pleased with what you're seeing right now. And I felt the Lord literally drop Luke chapter 6, verse 46 in my heart. And it says this in Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And I just felt such a rebuke. Not, not, not like we shouldn't have those moments, but when you get up off the floor from singing and honoring and quoting the book of Revelation, what are you going to do? You can't love Him and call Him Lord if you're not doing what He's called us to. And then Jesus unpacks what that looks like. It's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. You, you know the story. Number five, underestimating His power to our response. This is probably the biggest one, and maybe I'm overemphasizing, but I think we don't, we too often are saying, and in a season like this, you do it, God, do it, God, do it, God. We're praying, we're cheering you, God. We underestimate the power of, of His of our response to what He will do. God wants us in this, friends, like it or not, and God will not do things without us. That's how we see in Scripture. And right through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, there is this response. When you respond and I respond to what God says, God does what God said He would do. So don't underestimate His power to our response. 
And if I encourage you, go read Acts chapter 18 in Corinth where Paul faces abuse and he's facing opposition. And he storms out of this temple and he goes next door and he's staying there. And it says in verse, Acts 18 verse 9, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. No one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed there for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. And look at the response and look at the fruit. Why? He heard the Lord. He was mad. He was ticked off. He shook his dust off and he said, blood's on your hands and I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. But the Lord challenged him in a vision. Don't stop preaching. I've got many people I want to reach. And he left and he, he didn't leave. He got on with the job. He didn't just take off and look at what God did because he, God looks for people to respond to what God's doing. And so don't underestimate the power of our response. Even to what I've shared today, please, friends, don't underestimate the power of our response to some of these things. Watch what God will do. And it all. So let me close with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 16, which I know you guys have quoted, verse 8. Paul says, But I'll stay, or verse 16, sorry, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8. But I'll stay on F, stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Because verse 9, a great door of effective work or great opportunity has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. <laughs> Amazing. He goes on in verse 13 and he says, Be on your God. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong and do everything in love. There's much we're involved in. There's much God is doing. At times we're not seeing it, but God is doing it. And I want to encourage you to stick to the effectiveness. Let's be effective. Let's look for opportunities of effectiveness. Let's see what it is God's day, saying, doing, and uh, friends, let's go for it. Let's, let's enjoy the season and walk it out and realize God's in it and God's using us. And let's look back when we come through this one day going, wow, look at what God did. Because we were faithful. He is faithful. And we stick into the plan He's called us to. So God bless you. Thank you for your time. I trust you have an incredible equip. Looking forward to coming and being there live with you. But I trust uh, you're getting on with the task. And we love you. We appreciate your partnership with us. You guys are champions. We're praying big time for you. Thanks for your opportunity to share with you through this lens. God bless you.